You are listening to No PC Allowed, a.k.a. No Political Correctness Allowed. And I am Mac Iverson. Why are so many Christians so enamored and hypnotized, it almost seems, with liberalism? Actually reading the Bible, it seems the point of Christianity is to live within God's rules or to live conservatively, not liberally. And Christian liberals have their favorite Bible verses. For example, they sometimes use Acts chapter 2 to demonstrate their concern for the greater good, claiming that socialism slash communism is being condoned by the Bible when it clearly is not. Paul had to take up a special offering, not a tithe, but for a special purpose in Jerusalem because the church went broke. Two things here. Number one, the church failed with the socialist experiment that led to the need for a special offering. And number two, God never instructed the church to do that. It was an act of the flesh, or human-led, not from God. And so the church suffered. The Bible does not support socialism slash communism. Now, the LGBT WTF crowd loves to point out Second Samuel that David loved Jonathan more than a woman. No hint that this was romantic or sexual in any way. Scripture did not say he loved him as a woman or like a woman, but more than a woman, which transcended the base physical into an agape way, the way all Christians are supposed to love each other. Leave it to the LGBT WTF crowd to take something beautiful and try to debase and besmirch it. California Governor Gavin Gruesome, Gruesome Newsom, put billboards all over America promoting abortions and inserted the verse, Love thy neighbor as thyself. This is a prime example of text without context, which is pretext. He's taking that verse completely out of context. And it was done on purpose for sheer political reasons. It's quite an act of mental gymnastics to equate tearing a baby apart in the womb with loving your neighbor as yourself. In fact, it is obviously quite the opposite. Think about this. There is no more perfect example of a neighbor than a baby in a woman's womb. And so is it loving to torture and murder that neighbor? Is that loving your neighbor as yourself at all? The idea behind that verse is to love God with all your heart, mind, and strength, and then loving your neighbor as yourself. God created each newborn in his own image. And when his creation is ripped asunder, well, you can't destroy it and say you're loving God with all your heart, mind, and strength. Makes zero sense. It's a lie. Another verse liberals like is Proverbs 24, 11. Rescue those who are being led away to death as justification against the death penalty. We must define death here. It is not physical. Biblically, death is the eternal separation from God, nothing to do with the death penalty. A more accurate version is, rescue those who are stumbling to the slaughter. Stumbling means falling into sin because of their own actions. Getting them to repent is the answer. That's how we rescue them. Another common verse liberals like is, Jesus said, do not resist, turn the other cheek. To liberals... That means be a doormat. But in context, it really means do not respond to attempts to humiliate you. 
It has to do with maintaining your integrity. It has nothing to do with being a pacifist. In fact, Jesus told his disciples, sell your tunic and go buy a sword, because they may have to defend themselves. If we need to fight to defend ourselves or our family or nation, then that is absolutely necessary. But not to go off half-cocked just because we feel offended over what someone says or does. Romans chapter 12. Vengeance is mine. Foolish liberals take this to mean there should be no real punishment and no death penalty. But there's a huge difference between justice and vengeance. God does use governments and people to use God's wrath. Vengeance is, you do this to me, I will do this to you, times ten. And then you may have endless escalations from there. Well, if you can do it, they can do it. Why not? It's personal vengeance. It's ego-based. Ego stands for edging God out. But when you bring God back into the fold, then justice or just punishment according to God's will and law, is what is called for. And to know all that, we need to know His Word. Then there is, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. In that scenario, the religious leaders were like whitewashed tombs, meaning on the outside they're all pretty and white, but inside there is dead man's bones. That verse was a lesson for the religious leaders, who are teaching people one thing but doing another. Liberals believe many are hypocrites and need to be called out on it, which is one thing. But the context has to do with religious leaders. And so it is not meant to be a broad brush stroke to everyone and in all scenarios. The Bible does not forbid using the death penalty in the execution of justice. Many liberals also like to quote the Bible on welcoming the stranger that is mentioned so many times. Look to the book of Nehemiah. Why did God bless Nehemiah? The building of the walls of Jerusalem. If God doesn't want borders, why does he bless the building of a wall? To keep bad actors out and to keep good actors in. Acts 17 verse 26 God has made from one blood every nation of men who shall dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings. So these boundaries and borders are God's design. It is outrageous to assume that welcoming the stranger is equivalent to open borders. God has over and over again blessed the building of protective walls or borders to keep justice and the peace. And two things any visitor must do. They must conform to the law, and they must work. Paul the Apostle said, If you don't work, you don't eat. There is nothing liberal about that. There are also those very liberal-sounding beatitudes from the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the peacemakers. Keeping this in context, Jesus was talking to Jews. This was him raising the standard, not lowering it. Peace has mostly to do with personal relationships and integrity. Blessed are the poor in spirit. 
which means without God, you're nothing. You are spiritually bankrupt. And if you're not all pumped up with pride, and you can admit that you're poor in spirit, that is someone that God can work with. This does not mean that it's holy to be economically poor. Many socialists slash communists love that Jesus was enraged with the money changers. By the way, that was not an out-of-control hissy fit rage, and it was not a rage against capitalism. It was commerce in the holy temple that enraged him. Also, he wasn't soft about his protest. He was enraged about it. Jesus did not sound like this. Um, pardon me, uh, if you please. Um, I was wondering if uh, maybe, you know, like uh, we probably shouldn't be selling stuff here in this uh, holy-like uh, temple. Uh, maybe we can discuss this through proxy by committee and then subcommittee and then maybe circle back maybe in a week or 20 or so to see if we can arrive at some kind of consensus. Okay, uh, thank you very much. No, that was not what Jesus sounded like. No, nothing soft or effeminate in the way of Jesus. Jesus probably did not have long hair. Mostly homosexual artists of the 14th and 15th centuries Renaissance portrayed him with long hair. He was not effeminate in any way. There was a country song by Joe Diffie that went, They hammered him to a cross, but he was tougher than nails. Another beatitude, blessed are those who mourn, does not mean we have to be mournful all the time because life is so pitiful here on fallen earth. No, it is designed to be a temporary condition based on our reaction to sin. When we sin, we should mourn our temporary transgression. Blessed are the meek. But meekness is not weakness. Jesus was meek when he stood before Pontius Pilate, but he wasn't weak. Pontius Pilate said, Don't you know that I can send you to your death? And Jesus said, You have no authority except what God has given to you. Jesus has all the strength in the world, but he is meek, which is strength under control. So when these red-letter Christians who only want to read the red-colored script or only the words of Jesus and nothing else, they're getting almost everything out of context. But when this is explained the way I'm explaining it, they're not going to get it. In all likelihood, because many don't have the Spirit of God in them. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, The natural man does not understand or discern the things of the Spirit because they're spiritually given, their foolishness to him. The world sees God's word through their non-God-gifted filters. And so much of it is just gobbledygook to them. That's their problem. They have their entire lives, and they don't take the time to even try to understand God's word. Most of them don't even try. Liberals love to use thou shalt not kill to explain away their pacifism or their ultra-lenient attitudes towards the most brutal of criminals. It is actually, thou shalt not murder. But killing, 
God has no problem with. God is called to wipe out entire armies. Go into the land of Canaan, the land flowing of milk and honey, and kill the men and women and children and animals. Kill everything. That was by God's decree, so it was not murder. Liberals say that was the God of the Old Testament. But it's the same God. God can change his mind because he's God, he's sovereign, and he does as he pleases. But God does not change. He's already perfect. Liberals will still say, that's Old Testament. The New Testament says God is going to send his son back here, and God's going to kill billions of people for the rebellion against him. He's going to wipe them out. God, in Acts chapter 5 of the New Testament, killed Ananias and Sapphira for lying about donating the entire proceeds of the sale of some land to the church. He just killed them. Soft, squishy, sissy liberals think they're safe from God's wrath. They are not. They're in deep, deep trouble. Mark twelve seventeen, Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. God has no problem with government taxes at all. Consider this. Jesus was gently mocking Caesar. He only has the limited authority that God has allowed him. During our first American Revolution, it was overtaxation without representation. Today, it's our undeclared second American Revolution, and it's about excessive taxation. But you know what? It's still about our needs being ignored or extreme taxation without adequate representation. And so obviously we must revolt against this new Caesar. Romans 13, and here's a big one. Submit to authorities. Okay, fair enough. But God also tells us to not neglect the assembling together. And what does the government under despots like Gavin Grusom tell us? To not assemble together by closing churches, and especially when it's done for some big pharma pyramid money scam, like that fake COVID scare, well, that just piles on justification for openly defying that satanic authoritarian decree. There may be as many as 100 million or more Christians in China. All of them have to defy their authorities just to survive as Christians. Just look at all those who went against the governing authorities, and God blessed it. Jesus, Daniel, and Shadrach, and Misak, and Abednego, and Joseph, and Abraham, and the midwife from Moses, and the list goes on and on. When the government gives you an order that goes against God's word, then you have a responsibility to not follow that order. You defy it. You defy it. Another verse liberals like, live by the sword, die by the sword. But that verse has nothing to do with pacifism. It's about a lifestyle choice that would apply to the modern-day gang member. If that's how you choose to live, you can expect to die that way. This means Christians are not supposed to be out picking a fight. That does not mean we can't own a gun or even a lot of guns for self-defense. Liberals also love to talk about the separation of church and state. But if you were to ask them, where does that concept come from, they will probably say the Constitution, which is false. 
That term was coined by Thomas Jefferson in a letter to a seminary. At the core of the need for the separation of church and state was the reality of the need to escape the tyrannical government known as England. And so now there's the need to have a church that was not under that tyrant, King George III's rule. The Church of England was a government church. No way were we going to let that happen again. Hence the need to have the separation of church and state. And that is defined as the church being widely dispersed and involved throughout all of American society, as it very much was in the USA's early days of infancy when Jefferson wrote that letter. And that separation obviously meant that the state must not, in any way, interfere with the church's works. That separation was yet one more safety valve on our new American experiment. But the liberals believe in the stupid lie that the separation simply means that the church must be left out of all public proceedings, publicly neutered from being effective anymore. That's totally false and has no connection to Jefferson's idea. They also say politics is dirty and Jesus wasn't political. But whoever defines the terms wins the argument. If you've ever had any formal debate training, you know that's true. Everything spins off those definitions. What does political mean? The problem is we Christians have left liberals define that word to mean it's dirty and Christians are supposed to be above the fray like monks living in an abbey way atop the lonely mountain laying prostrate, kissing the dirt and eating weak old moldy bread because Christians are supposed to be absolutely perfect and to despise all of Trump's mean and nasty anti-liberal sounding tweets. But here's the reality. What is politics? Does it refer to marriage? Or to sexuality? Or to race relations? Or to borders? Or to family roles and relationships? Or to crime and punishment? Or to global macro issues? And so on? And doesn't the Holy Bible have something important to say about all of those areas and more? And isn't that all obviously political? Obviously, yes. So when liberals say that politics is dirty, and it is, isn't that because Jesus has been pushed out of the public sphere by liberals claiming that politics is dirty because there is no Jesus there to help clean it up? Again, obviously, yes. Do you understand now why I insist that liberals are all morons? They are, truly. Liberals also cite, very hypocritically, judge not lest ye be judged, pointing towards their moral relativistic inclinations. That doesn't apply to their views of conservatives, of course. That's because we are the devil incarnate, and so they have to judge us with a burning white, hot, never-ending hatred. The Bible does not say we can't judge. We have to judge others. We do it constantly. 
We are supposed to use a measure of judgment that is appropriate because that same measure will be used against you yourself. When people judge others, they end up judging more harshly than they judge themselves. My sin looks worse on you. I once knew a fellow who went to an AA meeting and he was sitting next to a man who was all strung out, dead drunk. And he told me how much he hated this guy and how disgusting he was for being that way when he knew that he was often that way himself. But he didn't hate himself for his behavior. No, he hated this other drunk for his identical behavior. Anyway, kudos to him for being aware of it. Judging behavior keeps society in line. We desperately need it. It helps us to survive, but we must do it correctly so that we may be holy and set apart for God. It's a false statement that we're never, ever supposed to judge. That is out of context with the rest of Scripture. Action steps number one. To fully understand God's Word, you must attend a Bible-based church, preferably one that goes through each book verse by verse. The majority of American churches do not do this, but it is imperative to our growth as Christians that we do. Number two, too many Americans are profoundly unaware of what I talk about on this podcast, and that must change immediately. No PC allowed has been shadow banned and deplatformed permanently from those cowards over at TikTok. They fear me. Just one man with a mic. I threaten them with the truth profoundly. So please subscribe, like, share, like, share, subscribe, and please, please, please do it now while you're thinking about it. If you like this podcast at all, please do it now at no PC loud spelled A L O U D at no PC loud spelled A L O U D. You have been listening to no PC loud. I am Mac Iverson. We will meet again next week and every week.